So welcome to this edition of On The Pulse, in which CMS experts provide updates on key developments bringing innovation and disruption to the life sciences and healthcare sector. I'm your host, Nick Beckett, and today we're delving into the fertile area of digital health in the Asia-Pacific region. I'm delighted to be joined by three life sciences and healthcare specialists who regularly advise clients in this sector and are members of the Life Sciences Asia-Pacific Network, or LAN. We have Alan Adcock of Tiliki and Gibbons in Thailand. We have Chair Kasahara of Atsumi and Sakai in Japan. And we have Ki-Young Kim of Yulchon in Korea. Uh, Alan is a partner in the IP and Regulatory Affairs Group at Tiliki and Gibbons, sitting in their Bangkok office. And he leads the firm's life sciences industry practice, along with his partner, Thomas Treutler, who manages the firm's Vietnam offices. Chair is a partner leading IP, TMT, and life sciences practice at Atsumi and Sakai, and the firm's life sciences practice assists a broad range of clients, including pharmaceutical companies, medical device companies, and biotech companies. And Kiyang is a partner at our land member firm, Yorchon, one of the major law firms in Korea, and he's leading its life sciences and healthcare practice. So welcome to Alan, Chair, and Kiyang. Just to give you a little bit of background, as some of you may know, LAN is a dedicated life sciences and healthcare network that we set up in the Asia-Pacific region, and it brings together nine leading uh, law firms, including, including Cause Chambers Westgarth in Australia, Chen and Lin in Taiwan, CMS in China and Hong Kong, Kai Tan and Co in India, Azagif Hamza and Partners in Indonesia, Yulchon in Korea, Atsumi and Sakai in Japan, Raja and Tan in Singapore, in Malaysia and Tiliki and Gibbons in Thailand and Vietnam. And the network, which been, has been highly commended by the FT, Asia-Pacific Innovative Lawyers Report, also works closely with other local firms in other countries in the region. So today we're dealing with digital health. Uh, it's a fascinating area. It's certainly one we've covered in previous uh, On The Pulse editions. And it's all to do with the convergence of technology and healthcare to deliver healthcare services in a, a more efficient, more personalised, uh, more innovative manner. And I think there's a, a whole heap of different uh, applications that you can think of, of digital health in practice. You'd see uh, AI, the use of AI in drug discovery. You'd see the use of blockchain, perhaps, in controlled drug distribution. You see telemedicine and uh, remote consultations and electronic patient records and systems and a whole host of mobile applications and wearable devices. And we're all now through COVID familiar with track and trace. So a whole, a whole swathe of uh, different applications of digital health. And with them often you see new business models as well. And I think some of those are still being worked upon where we're um, advising clients and seeing some quite uh, innovative collaborations and interesting innovations really sort of disrupting all parts of the industry. And I think COVID has only really catalyzed those developments still further. And all of this is driving us further and further to a more personalized medicine. Um, and I think, you know, the, the patient, the consumer is much more active now, much more involved. They have much more knowledge and awareness. There's much more resource available to them online and they're demanding a more personalized service. They're demanding things very much beyond the pill. And obviously for us as lawyers, we're navigating the regulations, we're navigating the legal issues. And as often is the case, 
the laws sometimes are sort of playing catch up. So there's some quite interesting areas where you've got perhaps some pre-existing legislation, maybe not built to deal with digital health, but um, uh, you know that uh, you're trying to adapt for those purposes until specific legislation comes in. So we'll certainly be touching upon some of those regulatory issues during the course of the episode. But just, I think, to begin with, maybe um, obviously uh, digital health, as I say, is a significant area and uh, the Asia-Pacific region is a significant region and, and somewhat fragmented occasionally in terms of the laws and um, uh, the approaches of, of different, uh, different uh, governments and different jurisdictions. Some of those are highly developed jurisdictions, some of those are more developing ju jurisdictions, certainly from the perspective of China, where seeing something of a transformation there, including within tech, digital health, you know, with the sort of great innovations in AI and 5G, those sorts of uh, technologies, you know, impressive innovations and, and strongly promoted by the government. So we see a lot of policy coming out from the authorities um, promoting the use of um, AI and promoting the use of digital health and those, those sorts of things. But what I'd like to ask, I think, each of each of you is, is just to begin, just to give a, an overview of what digital health looks like in your respective jurisdictions and what government, the approach of the government is in your jurisdictions. Are there policies promoting it or restricting it? Just to give the audience a little bit of a, uh, an overview to begin with. So maybe, Alan, could we, could we start with you? Yeah, happy to. Thank you, Nick. Um, for the most part, the idea of digital health or telemedicine has generally fallen within the area of medical device regulation here in Thailand. And the normal sort of digital health components you would think of like software and devices that are used for diagnosis or monitoring or prevention or treatment of illnesses, these would all fall generally within a medical device classification. Now, the digital health devices you commonly think of, like mobile medical apps, wearable technologies, and software, they all pretty much fall within this definition of medical devices. And after the last update to the Medical Device Act here in Thailand in 2008, the government began to look at digital health next in 2019 with the Personal Data Protection Act, the PDPA, which is pretty much aligned with GDPR principles and also then again in 2019 with the National Cybersecurity Act. These, of course, deal with important issues arising from digital health and telemedicine like um, personal data protection, consent to use data, consent to transfer data, and also privacy. Uh, on the question of whether there have been government initiatives, here in Thailand there have been a lot, and the pandemic has accelerated both public need and interest in digital health. I'd say probably the most encouraging development from the Thai government around digital health so far was the government's announcement of its e-health strategy back in 2016. This is a 10-year plan for the development of e-government services, um, and included here are several development goals and government support earmarks specifically for digital health. Now, we're about halfway through this plan already, and it's well underway at several government hospitals across Thailand. Um, one part of this plan that um, I think has been really successful so far is what's called the AI Smart Health Profile. Um, that enables the sharing of patient profiles between hospitals. Some hospitals have even established their own telehealth services in partnership with the NBCT, the National Broadcasting Telecommunication Commission, uh, using high-speed internet to provide health services like 
screenings for non-communicable diseases, diabetes, hypertension, uh, common skin and eye conditions, and things like this. Now, this has mostly been aimed at more rural hospitals outside of the bigger cities, but the plan is for it to expand to mid-tier urban centers soon. And the Thai government is supporting and encourage this, um, I'd say particularly in updating regulatory guidance and making it more relevant to today. Um, another initiative under the eHealth Strategy 10-Year Plan is a collaboration of three government agencies to connect healthcare services provided by around 120 government hospitals, these are public hospitals, by an IT system and mobile phone application. This project allows Thai physicians to share among themselves medical information online and also long distance study and medical knowledge sharing and updates similar to lawyers continuing legal education requirements that might be applicable in some of your jurisdiction. And also here, this collaboration, it also allows for doctor to doctor and doctor to patient remote consultations in areas like radiology and pathology. And with just under 900 government public hospitals here in Thailand, this program has a lot of room to grow. Um, just quickly on to Vietnam. Similarly in Vietnam, while there's no clear definition of digital health in the law, this is understood to include various types of medical devices, software, and online services used for healthcare purposes, including diagnosis, treatment, medical record keeping, and telemedicine. Again, there's no digital health law per se in Vietnam, um, but it's really regulated and covered by separate circulars that are issued by the Ministry of Health. Um, particularly important is a circular from late 2017, specifically on telemedicine, for example. We call this Circular 49, and it actually uses, it very helpfully gives us the guidance, it uses the term telemedicine to identify the industry and sets out licensing requirements for those HCPs, for those healthcare professionals practicing in this area. And it sets out technical infrastructure requirements also so that um, you know, communications are stable and secure. So Vietnam, I'd say, is definitely embracing the concept. Um, the Vietnam government itself also has issued several decisions and released plans and seminars on, on further development of smart healthcare. About five years ago, the city of Hanoi and the Ministry of Health, um, they both approved plans for even more expansion of e-government facilities. And this definitely includes digital health. This is generally in line with the push for modernization and digitalization of everything in Vietnam. Though sometimes, of course, it takes a little bit of time for reality to catch up with these various five-year plans. But still, Vietnam is making really good progress in these areas. And just like in Thailand and probably a lot of other jurisdictions here in Asia Pacific, the pandemic has really accelerated this a lot. Interesting. And and Kian, what about South Korea? What's the the situation for digital health like there? Yeah, similar to Thailand or Vietnam, uh, there is no clear definition of uh, digital health in Korea, but uh, digital health uh, frequently uh, is used for uh, medical device because uh, uh, Korea's Medical Device Act uh, have a very uh, broader uh, definition of a medical device. So uh, any uh, digital uh, health technology uh, uh, whatever uh, hard, hardware or software uh, uh, which are used for the purpose of the uh, diagnosis and treating or preventing diseases can be uh, uh, 
categorized as a medical device under the, the law. So, uh, uh, so, uh, but but uh, there is uh, some exception uh, nowadays. A so-called wellness device, uh, uh, which is uh, main purpose of the such device, is not for the medical activities, but uh, for the health management or health life, is exempted from the uh, medical device. That means uh, it is not regulated by the Medical Device Act. So uh, nowadays, uh, there are a lot of uh, uh, wellness uh, devices using uh, uh, digital uh, technology is commonly used, uh, such as uh, you know the the, uh, so the Apple Watch or you know uh, Galaxy Watch, something like that. And uh, there is a notable event in Korea uh, in December 2017. Uh, Korea's uh, president office uh, established a special committee on uh, fourth industrial revolution. Uh, this committee's role is uh, study and uh, develop the government's uh, policy or government's plan to uh, promote uh, the fourth. Uh, industrial revolution area. Uh, among them, uh, the, there is a, a, a health special subcommittee, is so-called Digital Healthcare Committee. This committee uh, is comprised of uh, various members, members uh, from the various governmental agencies, including uh, Ministry of Health and Welfare and the Ministry of Science, Technology, and uh, uh, other uh, uh, government agency, agencies uh, uh, regulating the uh, technology and uh, healthcare and uh, uh, privacy and information, etc. So uh, uh, this uh, health special committee uh, uh, selected uh, six key uh, projects, including the development of new AI-based drugs and development of smart fusion medical devices and other healthcare-related uh, uh, sectors. Uh, until now, the, this uh, subcommittee uh, have never released their uh, detailed uh, result of the, their study and the uh, discussions, but uh, I think uh, when this committee set up the uh, advices and recommendations uh, relating to the healthcare industry, then the government will uh, usually uh, set up uh, new uh, uh, laws and uh, regulations to support uh, uh, development of this industry. Chair, for Japan, what's the what's the digital health landscape looking like there? Yes, uh, similar to Vietnam. There is no clear definition on digital health in the law of Japan. It is understood to include serious various types of medical devices, wearable de devices, software, apps, and online services useful, useful for healthcare purposes, including diagnosis and counseling, as well as trade or medical records. There is no law on digital health in Japan. The Ministry of Health, Labor, and Welfare pro provide related guidelines. In March 2018, the Ministry of Health, Labor, and Welfare released the guideline for proper implementation of online diagnosis on the spread of online medical care. 
the guidelines point out that it is important to consider the protection of personal information to take measures on in information security and to agree on these measures among patient, doctor, and provider of on online medical care system in order to appropriately select and use online medical care system, including telecommunication equipment and cloud services. When online medical care, such as telemedicine, was introduced, it was not possible to perform online medical care on the first visit because the principle of direct medical care under the Medical Practitioners, Practitioners Act, online medical care has been permitted since the initial visit on the temporary and exceptionary basis as a result of the COVID situation since April 2020 in accordance with a notice from the Ministry of Health, Labor and Welfare. So having looked at um, you know, the, the, the general landscape and government policies in, in the region, I guess I'd like to turn to, to the issue of regulation. So I said at the beginning, of, often we're finding the law is, is playing catch up with new technologies. Um, and I guess uh, I'm interested in you know, what the current regulatory environment is for digital health in uh, the region and in your specific jurisdictions. How evolved is it? Is, are there specific uh, pieces of uh, legislation yet or regulation going to digital health? Yeah, um, let's start with Vietnam then. Um, in Vietnam, it's the Ministry of Health, uh, which is the main regulatory authority over public health issues. Um, and the MOH has been really active in terms of setting out uh, regulatory guidance on digital health, telemedicine, IT systems requirements for doctors and hospitals to use if they do choose to offer these particular services to Vietnamese patients. And again, it's the Ministry of Health that's issued these rules beginning around late 2017. Earlier, I mentioned that Circular 49, specifically on telemedicine. Um, and the Ministry of Health has been promulgating these circulars um, on into 2018, before the pandemic. Uh, there's a particular Ministry of Health circular on electronic medical records. I mentioned the uh, circular on telemedicine earlier, uh, a particular circular on the provision of online healthcare services and who can actually be licensed to provide those healthcare services. Uh, and then there's another uh, circular 54 um, on those criteria for IT applications at healthcare facilities, treatment centers, and hospitals. Um, now, the main regulatory body at the Ministry of Health who oversees all of these telemedicine and digital health circulars is the IT department. And it gives guidelines and inspects these digital health activities and it cooperates with other state agencies to implement um, the management of digital health. Here, the Ministry of Health may work with other agencies as well if issues around network security or uh, uh, breaches of, of personal data are raised under a separate law called the Law on Network Information Security. Now in Thailand, uh, we have our Ministry of Public Health, the MOPH is the main regulator for health matters, including medical devices, which we've mentioned already, just similar to Japan and South Korea would include digital health activities. And then within the MOPH sits the Thai FDA and its medical device control division, 
Um, and it's this MedDev control division that's actually responsible for the enforcement of the Medical Device Act of 2008. Um, again, earlier I mentioned the PDPA, the Personal Data Protection Act, and the National Cybersecurity Act. These two laws are enforced by the Ministry of Digital Economy and Society. So here for digital health, we basically have two regulatory authorities that we have to contend with. And Kiang for um, South Korea, what the regulatory situation for digital health, what's it like? Uh, yes, Korea is not uh, much different to uh, Vietnam or Thailand. Uh, there is no single legislation regulating uh, digital health. There are a lot of uh, uh, different law regulates the, the digital health, such as uh, Medical Service Act and the Pharmaceutical Affairs Act and the Medical Device Act. Also, Korea has a PDPA. So uh, the rele relevant uh, regulatory bodies are uh, different. Uh, the Ministry of Health and Welfare and, and the MFDS is a Korean uh, FDA and also Korean uh, CDC and uh, also um, Ministry of uh, uh, Public Administration Security, which is uh, uh, a main regulatory body relating to the, the data protection and the privacy. So uh, all uh, this different uh, regulatory body uh, separately regulates uh, digital health areas. There is no control tower. That's the Korea situation. Okay. And in, uh, in Japan, Chair? Yes. Similar to other countries, there is no single legislation regulating the digital health in Japan. The Pharmaceutical and Medical Device Act, Medical Practitioners Act, Medical Care Act, and the Act on Protection of Personal Information would be applicable to digital health. In order to these laws, guidelines and notification from the Ministry of Health, Labor and Welfare play an important role in Japan. Digital health and telemedicine are provided and regulated by the Ministry uh, as a notification by the Ministry. Okay, so let's let's move on. I mean, with uh, with digital health and with digital technologies, there's inevitably uh, a significant processing of data, uh, sometimes personal data, and I think you know AI for a start is entirely reliant on on big data, um, uh, and I think with that obviously comes some concerns uh, about privacy um, and um, patient privacy specifically. So. Obviously, it's a it's a pretty hot area at the moment. I think uh, personal uh, data protection. Certainly in China, we've got a new personal information um, uh, data legislation coming in uh, on the first of November. Uh, we're pretty inundated with requests at the moment from clients to help them, you know, get up to speed on that and what's seen as being the new kind of GDPR. Um, and I think, you know, there's, there's developments in multiple jurisdictions in Asia relating to privacy. So I guess I'd just like to, to assess how, you know, how, how is it being assessed in, in your jurisdiction in terms of digital health and the implications, privacy implications of, of that? Um, you mentioned you're preparing your clients in China for, you know, adherence to upcoming privacy laws in uh, China. Um, it's similar in Thailand as well. Um, but before we actually talk about the 
Ties Personal Data Protection Act of 2019. I, I just did want to remind everyone that uh, for many years, though, even before Thailand had standalone privacy legislation, um, Thailand has always considered patient data to be private and its handling to be in keeping with general principles of privacy and consent. Um, now, this has always been required of licensed healthcare professionals under their professional ethical guidelines. We've also had separate sort of privacy and data protection guidelines for um, uh, uh, for the insurance industry, or for the banking industry, and things like that. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, though, in 2019, the, the PDPA was enacted, and now it's the entire understanding of personal data has taken on a lot more relevance here in Thailand. Uh, PDA was meant to become effective this year, uh, but the pandemic has delayed that implementation to give businesses more time to get ready. Um, and it's now planned for next summer, 2022, the 1st of June, 2022. Um, but you know, if that if the pandemic continues on as it is, you know, query whether or not that might be extended a little bit further. Um, the Thai PDPA Act it divides regulations between general data and sensitive data. Um, requiring a patient's consent before sensitive personal data can be collected or shared. Now, there are a few exceptions to that, um, but these are mostly around trying to prevent actual physical harm to the patient. Uh, but there's also some interesting exceptions um, for fair use for nonprofit or scientific research. Um, in Vietnam, it's a little bit different, though, because personal data is not separated or treated differently because of the type of data it is. It's all treated the same under data protection and privacy law. Under these laws, the general principle is that the data subject must be notified of the data processing and provide his or her consent, and the use of the data must be in line um, with the person with the purpose that was told to the per with the purpose that was told to the person, and then that person gave his or her consent to. Personal data could be transferred to a third party. Um, including across borders, but only if that prior consent is obtained. Um, and, uh, another important point is that um, EMRs, electronic medical records, uh, they have to be encrypted if they're going to be shared between HCPs and hospitals, um, and only certain named authorities can access these EMRs. Um, so that's the sort of landscape of privacy in Vietnam and Thailand. Okay. And Kiyang in um, South Korea? Yeah, Korea also has a very strict regulation on the data protection, privacy, and speaking about the, the medical record, uh, more uh, strict uh, regulations uh, uh, we have, uh, especially, you know, the, 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 the hospital or, or medical doctors uh, may not use uh, such medical record or uh, medical information for uh, other purpose than uh, medical treatment. So uh, we still maintain very strict uh, privacy law. Uh, so uh, the protection of privacy is a, a, a double, triple uh, protected by different laws. However, there is a, a, a very meaningful uh, change uh, amendment of uh, a PDPA. Uh, the law uh, uh, allowed us such an uh, using anonymized uh, information uh, for research, study, or other limited public purposes. Uh, this is a very meaningful change in uh, especially life science industry because uh, it uh, when uh, develop a drug uh, drug. Uh, or medical devices, there are a lot of uh, uh, 
medical information uh, for clinical trial or other researches, or etc. So, uh, such anonymized uh, medical uh, records can be used if, uh, for such uh, development or research. So, it means uh, uh, I think this uh, amendment of law uh, may uh, help the promotion of the, the new development of new devices or new drug or new technology. So uh, recently, government's uh, committee uh, I mentioned before also uh, 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 strongly recommend uh, more uh, to promote uh, utilized this anonymized uh, medical uh, informations. And chair, I think in Japan you've got some some amendments coming in maybe next year on your personal data law, if I'm understanding correctly. Yes, yes. In Japan, they act on protection of personal information. In principle, they, they requires consent of the data subject in question and in order to transfer personal information to the third party. In particular, personal information, including medical information, is categorized as a special care required personal information. Uh, in other words, the sensitive personal information and it is strictly regulated and no system of post uh, opting out of special care required personal information is allowed. Therefore, there is high hurdle for medical professionals to clear in order to provide patient information to a third party. In this regard, they act on anonymously processed medical information for the purpose of contributing to research and development in the medical field. Uh, this is known as the Next Generation Medical Infrastructure Act, was established in May two, 2018. Under the Next Generation Medical Infrastructure Act, the purpose of research and development in the field of medicine a system was approved whereby medical information process that does not identify a special specific individuals. This can be provided to an authorized anonymously processed medical information creator by a medical information handling business operator who satisfied a cert certain requirement, such as hospital without the consent of the data subject. In addition, amendment on the Act of Protection of Personal Information, which will come into effect in April 2022, next year, allow pseudominized information. Pseudominized information is information about an individual that has been processed so that a specific individual cannot be identified unless it is collated with other information. Subject to limitation on its use, certain obligations such as the obligation to respond to request for suspension of use shall be eased. And such information may be used for various analysis. Pseudominized information can be used for purposes other than the original purpose of use, and such information 
uh, sorry, the pseudominate information can be used for purpose other than the original purpose of use, and the personal information that has been pseudominized can be used in statistical analysis in the future. The pseudomination in Japan can be considered to be similar to that in the G GDPR. So, I mean, at the beginning, we were talking about um, lots of, you know, lots of different areas of innovation around digital health. And typically with, with innovation, um, companies are often seeking to protect their intellectual property or create intellectual property around uh, those those innovations. Uh, so my question would be, you know, what are companies doing in in this space in terms of protecting and commercialising their intellectual property? And are there any specific, again, regulations um, in any of the jurisdictions about what you can and cannot protect uh, in terms of digital health? Yeah, I will. Um, I'll, I'll firstly just speak to you know intellectual property generally uh, as an IP lawyer. Um, I IP in all its various forms, ranging from, you know, registered IP like patents and designs and trademarks to unregistered IP like copyright and trade secrets are, are relevant to any business. Uh, for a digital health business, generally, I think all IP can be looked at and decisions made on where in the business that IP right might exist, how it can be registered or protected, and how it might be commercialized. Um, it's important to get IP decisions right early on, not only because there are some IP mistakes that cannot be corrected, um, but also because having protected and valuable IP around the particular digital health solution, that really helps to promote that business to investors and also to customers. And I think uh, particularly here in Southeast Asia, hospital and healthcare procurement officers they really appreciate knowing that their solution provider is bringing a, a tested and viable innovation to them. This really helps speak to legitimacy, function, viability. Uh, and after that procurement, they won't likely be receiving a notice letter that they're infringing someone else's intellectual property. Um, I think right now, digital health companies would definitely want to consider at least protection of their software that runs their digital health or telemedicine products or services by way of copyright. And also probably uh, they want to consider design protection on things like the medical device itself um, and some of those health monitoring wearables that we've been speaking about earlier. Um, absolutely patent, of course, if the innovation does reach a level of patentability, which almost universally means it's new, it's useful, it employs an inventive step above you know, what's currently available in the marketplace, or, or as we say in the United States, it's non-obvious to those folks already in that industry. So definitely some important intellectual property decisions to make for um, digital healthcare and telemedicine solution providers. And in Japan, Chair, um, do they have any specific um, you know, regulation on, on digital health IP? Um, there are no specific regulation in Japan designated to protect uh, the digital health, digital health in Japan. However, uh, digital health technology is patentable in Japan if it is industry applicable 
highly advanced novel creation of technical ideas utilizing the law of nature. In addition, computer program for digital health technology can be copyrighted and registered to strengthen its protection. Uh, recently, protection of the computer program by copyright has been considered insufficient. So patent protection of computer program is also considerable in Japan. So I'd like to turn to to the area of telemedicine. I think I think Alan, you were you were referencing in Vietnam there was some specific circular that in in operation there. In in China, certainly, when you look at you know the scale of the country, often in in the sort of far flung provinces, there's there's limited um, sort of necessarily access to you know specialist. Uh, healthcare provision, um, and in that context, the provision of remote care, in, including sometimes remote surgery, um, is is enormously helpful and is strongly promoted by the administration. So we we you know there are numerous apps um, for for online sort of uh, consultations with primary care physicians and. Um, I think more generally in China, we, we've seen quite a lot of you know guidance and circulars and policy uh, coming out from the government supporting um, the promotion of, of telemedicine uh, in, in that jurisdiction. So can we turn to, to your jurisdictions and, and um, just see, you know, are there um, specific rules dealing with um, telemedicine or remote consultation or online uh, diagnosis, those sorts of things, and including um, regarding overseas um, non or non locally domiciled uh, healthcare providers who may be interested in getting into you know any of these markets. Yeah, um, again, really Vietnam is is best in class leader here when it comes to you know government incentives and encouragement of the telemedicine industry. Um, and they've done that through those circulars that I've mentioned. And even those, I mean, that 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 advancement was even before the pandemic, um, particularly, again, that circular 49, uh, which speaks clearly to the promotion of telemedicine. Um, these, as you said, uh, these do include remote consultations, including um, second opinions uh, by technology applications, including like teleradiology uh, and also training in telemedicine technology transfer. Um, we talked about the ability to store medical records in digital form, uh, which is also, you know, highly successful in Vietnam right now. And, and again, the pandemic has really, um, you know, pr proliferated that. Um, as for foreign doctors, um, you know, we get these questions a lot, you know, as, as international lawyers. Um, for foreign doctors or other overseas licensed healthcare professionals providing remote diagnosis or care, um, we don't currently see any draft rules in the pipeline in Vietnam to allow for this. Um, but given Vietnam's earlier and, and again, pre-pandemic interest and encouragement of digital health solutions, these are expected pretty soon. So we, we, we do expect some clear guidance on whether foreign doctors, particularly those who don't reside in Vietnam, are going to be allowed to, particip to participate in digital health services for their patients inside Vietnam. For example, can they have, um, as you mentioned, online consultation with local doctors about a patient's health status? Uh, right now, it's only clear that doctors who are based in Vietnam 
can obtain those medical practice certificate requirements that are part and parcel to telemedicine examination and treatment processes. Um, but we do expect they will be coming in to Vietnam. So generally a pretty positive um, uh, in a place uh, Vietnam is then for, for and the prospect for telemedicine and operators in that space. What about Japan, Chair? What's the situation there? In Japan, generally speaking, medical doctors shall not treat a patient or issue a medical certificate or prescri prescription without examining the, them, him or herself under the uh, Medical Protectioners Act. However, uh, telemedicine has been permitted on isolated island and in, in rural area and in since two uh, sorry since 1997 and the regulation have been gen gradually relaxed since 2015. However, as noted earlier, the first examination by a doctor always had to be conducted face-to-face, -face, though in response to the COVID-19 problem, the above requirements were temporarily relaxed in April 2020, allowing online medical care from the first visit in addition, pharmacists are obliged to provide face-to-face -face ex 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 explanation to patient when delivering drug under Pharmacist Act. In relation to explanation to patient by pharmacist, online patient instruction was approved in September 2020. However, online medical care has not been used as much as expected. This is because the medical expense paid to doctors are less than those paid for in-person person examination. And the medical fee are not as high for medical institutions such as hospital. In addition, although the medical expense are lower, the expense for using the facility are not covered by national health insurance. Therefore, the patient has to pay additional expense, which resulting in higher medical expense than those paid in person. With the spread of COVID-19 infection, it is expected that relaxation of online medical care and online patient instruction and financial consideration for expansion of online care will continue in the future. It sounds to be an, uh, an evolving story in Japan then in terms of the embracing of, of telemedicine. What about uh, South Korea, Kian? Yeah, Korea is uh, one of the another cautious country regarding telemedicine. Until now, the current law prohibits telemedicine in general, with a very limited exception, or such as an uh, island or military base uh, which uh, do not have uh, medical access, uh, can uh, very exceptionally allow the telemedicine. Uh, but uh, even though the relevant industry and the patient-related NGOs uh, have constantly raised their voices to allow telemedicine, 
uh, however, the medical society has strongly objected it. Uh, medical doctors have argued that uh, telemedicine will significantly reduce patients' visitation of the clinics and uh, it leads a material decrease of their revenue. That's the core reason why they uh, have objections. However, during the COVID situation in Korea, um, people become to know that necessity and the efficiency of the telemedicine technology and uh, people can easily uh, get used to new technology. So I don't believe that the medical society objection uh, can work further. So, uh, however, uh, to make the medical society change their mind, I think a health insurance system uh, shall provide a reasonable reimbursement coverage. Uh, since Korea is a national health insurance country, so I believe the government can easily do it if uh, government can achieve consensus from the market player and the general public. So we're nearly out of time. I think just before closing uh, the episode, maybe we could just have a quick uh, crystal ball gaze to the future. I think, you know, if you read a lot of the projections, it's obviously a booming industry, booming sector with very significant growth predicted globally. Uh, and I think, you know, the current pandemic is is probably just spurring that on. But maybe if I could ask each of you just, just in, a, in a minute or so, just to give me a brief uh, expectation of what you think we may see in your jurisdiction. So, Alan, do you want to do you want to start? Yeah, I'm, um, I'll just quickly speak to Thailand because it's really the jurisdiction that I I, I know the best. Um, we're already seeing, you know, a lot more uh, fast track medical device registrations at the Thai FDA and those medical devices being, you know, ostensibly telemedicine and digital health sort of solutions. So at least on the FDA product registration side, uh, we're seeing a lot of proliferation in that. Um, I'd also talk about, you know, the National Innovation Agency and NASDA, two government um, agencies here in Thailand, which are providing lots of financial support, uh, professional support for the development of sort of homegrown digital health solutions. Um, and uh, also just on the question of whether or not foreign service providers would be allowed um, to you know, uh, um, have businesses here in Thailand. Again, we're already seeing that with um, situations like genomic testing, collection of samples here for diagnosis overseas, as well as remote second opinions, a lot of times by um, you know, international university teaching hospitals and things like that. So I'm very optimistic about the growth of digital health in Thailand and in Vietnam also. Good to hear. Good to hear. And Kian, what can we expect in South Korea? Yeah, Korea government uh, have uh, much interest in developing uh, this digital health in industry area. As I mentioned before, the presidential committee uh, acts, uh, diligently uh, researching and developing the new policy and uh, plans. So, and uh, also uh, recently. Uh, Korean government uh, newly enacted the In Vitro Diagnostic Dev Devices Act and also uh, the new law uh, to promote uh, medical device industry and innovative industry uh, medical device. So uh, uh, I think uh, the presidential committee uh, uh, make uh, certain uh, uh, results relating to the policy recommendation or devices then 
other uh, follow-up legislation will come, I think, to develop uh, uh, this uh, digital health industry. And then uh, finally, Jeff, for Japan, what does the future hold for us there? Yes, the spread of COVID has also led to digitalization in medicine. Japan's digital health has become more widely used due to the need to secure social distance due to COVID. The use of digital health has greatly improved the problem of being kept waiting for a long time and being only able to see doctor and receive medical care for a short time. And the user have evaluated digital health highly. In the near future, I hope that many more people will benefit from digital health as change are made to medical treatment fee by the national healthcare insurance system and support for the introduction of digital health by many players from both, uh, both the uh, healthcare and no healthcare industry in Japan also. So I think that's all we have time for today. Um, so thank you to Alan and Chair and Kian for your fascinating discussions and insights. Thank you uh, for joining us for this edition of On The Pulse. We hope you found our discussions to be thought-provoking and insightful. If you'd like to discuss any of the topics covered, please do get in touch. To mind, find out more about the Life Sciences Asia-Pacific Network or LAN, please reach out to any of the speakers or your regular LAN contacts. And to find out more about On The Pulse or CMS's Global Life Sciences and Healthcare Group, please visit cms.law. Audio versions of On The Pulse are available through your usual podcast store.